So my name is Glenice Kanar Moore, and I am the founder of Ski Move Tech, and I am the creator of the VDOM. The VDOM is the first app-connected prosthetic genital device that can go from flaccid to erect at the push of a button. Femtech to me is about democratizing sex and empowering people with the right to choose what's for them and what's for their bodies. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and in today's episode, I interview Glenice Kennard Moore, the founder and CEO of Schemu Tech, which produces the product VDOM. Schemu Tech was created to disrupt the status quo and break through societal barriers by leveraging all things tech. Their focus is on creating tech-based consumer products for niche markets that are usually not on the forefront. Their premier product, the VDOM, is the first app-controlled prosthetic penis that can go from placid to erect at the push of a button or the swipe on your iPhone or a smartwatch. This device is specifically designed to enhance the lives of LGBTQ plus people, erectile dysfunction sufferers, and spinal cord injury patients. While pre-order quantities have sold out, you can still join their waiting list at thevdom.com. That's the, T-H-E, V-D-O-M, V-D-O-M, dot com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Glenys, Welcome to the show. Hey, Brittany. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Where are you calling in from today? The nice ATL, beautiful weather today. So Atlanta, Georgia. I love it. I've been seeing some more tech come out of Atlanta. It's really exciting. And what I've found is that people making their venture fund or their startup in Atlanta are very proud that they're in Atlanta. Is that the sense that you get there too? Absolutely. Uh, The tech scene here has just blown up in the last, I want to say five years. Um, And 2021, during the pandemic, 2020, it went even higher through the roof. So we are very proud to say that our companies are um, from Atlanta because we're the next, you know, um, next hitter in in this industry. So I noticed most of the founders are black women. Yes, they are. Um, It's so funny. I was just at an event. um, So I am a member of The Gathering Spot, which is a co-working space um, here in Atlanta that is geared towards the Black founder. And so I was just in a room with a whole bunch of tech founders. And like, I want to say about 70% were women. So that was so awesome. Oh, hell yeah. I love that. I freaking love that. Well, you know, I want to learn more about you. Um, A lot of these interviews, I kind of already know the guests a little bit. So this is really fun for me to actually learn about you right now on record. So, um, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are aspiring entrepreneurs. They want to hear their story, too. And so feel free to really walk us through, like, where are you from? 
did you go to school? Did you have a career before this? And, and, you know, a little bit of your personal story. I think it has something to do with the product you're creating. So, uh, and you can bring us up till today and, and what you're working on. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I am the founder of Schemu Tech, um, and we basically, Schemu Tech creates uh, consumer products, tech-based consumer products that is um, focused on uh, demographics um, and communities that are usually not on the forefront. Um, I hate to use the word niche because we're actually not niche. Um, that's just an easy word for you know society to use. We're huge communities. And again, they're just not, you know, usually on the forefront, which is a very sad thing. But I think things are changing at the same time. Um, but uh, my background, actually, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, I am the only one out of my siblings and my parents that were actually born in Alabama. Um, my entire family comes from Mississippi and New Orleans. Uh, and yeah, I... <sighs> None of my background has anything to do with what I'm building. <laughs> I will tell you that um, I had an idea and I just went full speed ahead with it because I just knew how impactful it would be. Um, so by trade, um, I work in information security. Um, I still have a full time job in information security amongst this entire process. And uh, yeah, I just again, I just had an idea and I was like, you know, what? why is no one, you know, address this issue. So after just like a year of doing uh, research, I was like, wait a minute, this is, we're, some, we're missing something. Why not me? Um, so I just started researching, trying to figure out how to do it and what, ta-da, like Vidama's born. So <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. My first startup was a DNA-based dating app. And essentially the reason I even started it was because honestly, I guess the real catalyst was I was so upset with the 2016 election. I decided I needed to be a woman of influence. And maybe if I had a big tech startup, I could do, I could be of influence. Um, I, the Faramore isn't what necessarily makes me, you know, known today, but it certainly started me on my journey. But I, I started it kind of because I was like, well, hell, there's literally dozens of publications on pheromones and genetics and attraction. And there's all these dozens of dating apps. Why hasn't anyone done this? And investors would ask, how come nobody's done a DNA-based dating app yet? And I said, because I'm the first hopeless romantic geneticist who's been swiping on Tinder for three years. Like, exactly. that's why. Exactly. So, exactly. That is listeners, so cool. you have unique experience that, may, you know, if you're asking yourself, why hasn't anyone done it? It's because probably because you're the one who's supposed to do it, right? It took me a while to, to realize that. I mean, as you can imagine, um, there is a lot of science. There's a lot of engineering. There's a lot of um, in electrical, mechanical engineering. There's a lot of um, uh, anatomy that I need to know. Like there's so many different levels of education that I don't have <laughs> that I had to learn. I had to learn it very wow. quickly. Um, like I said, I had an idea and I drew out the first layout of how it should probably be built based on research. And took it to engineers and we're just like, hey, can this happen? And can you help me make it happen? Because I'm not an engineer by any means. Mm -hmm. So uh, as you can imagine, the imposter syndrome sat in so many times. Mm -hmm. It's just like, ah, should I be doing this? Like, you know, but I just I learned and I just knew, you know, why it was so, you know, how it was going to be so impactful. So I was like, forget it. I don't care what I'm not. I just know that I'm supposed to be the one doing this. 
course. And it's we live in a really cool world right now where you can take a course online or there is YouTube channels or, you know, like this podcast. I edit it myself. I watch a YouTube video on GarageBand and y'all, I God bless y'all for being listeners because, you know, you hear my dogs in the background, you hear different things, but makes it authentic. So, you know, just whip it up. Just go for it. Exactly. I mean, uh, my education started with Google. So (laughs) Um, I did. I went to um, undergrad at Georgia State. Um, I played basketball for Georgia State. So I uh, went there for marketing and PR. That's what I graduated with Um, and originally in a background. But when I was able to switch careers, um, probably about eight years ago and go into information security by teaching myself, I think that that was probably a little bit more so a catalyst for the reason why I was, you know, afraid, but not too afraid with trying to make this product happen. I love it. Well, let's talk about the product. What is VDOM? Yes. So the VDOM is a app connected prosthetic genital device. Um, that could go from flaccid to erect at the push of a button. So what does that really equivalent to? And, and um, you know, simpler terms, it basically is a smart penis. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. That's the easiest two words I could put together. Um, and the whole thought process of it was convenience. Um, it was convenience. And it was as someone who identifies as a lesbian woman, I wanted to be able to have spontaneous sex with my partner. Um, my wife. So, um, you know, it was just like, why do we not have anything like this? And after I started comparing the two of the spontaneous part of it, and then the functionality of traditional strap-ons, I was just like, yeah, there's a couple things we can improve here. So I combined the two, the need and um, the, the hangups and created the veto. I mean, if I may ask, has your sex life like improved? Has it been even better? Because what we're all here for is improving health and wellness of women. So do you think that it's contributed? Absolutely. So um, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I do know that um, especially in lesbian relationships, um, and this happens in heterosexual relationships as well. But after you've been with someone for so long, um, things start to get a little stale in the bedroom, you know, so you always are looking for something to spice it up. Um, So being able to have that spontaneous aspect, walk out of a restaurant, no one knows what I'm wearing um, under my clothes is very discreet. Uh, and being able to get it on in a car somewhere, you know, uh, without having to find somewhere to wash my hands or brush my teeth and all these types of things. I just have this product ready. Yeah, it took things to a whole nother level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, you know, for folks listening that may be like, how is this new or innovative or whatever? What is the current market for you know, strap-ons or if there's a better term for that even. Yeah, definitely. So um, just to give a general idea, uh, the sex tech industry, sex toy um, industry, out of all products sold, um, out if, if it is not a vibrator, 50% of all products sold are strap-ons, dildos. So, yes. So just to give you an idea of, you know, um, (laughs) they're not even great. So I'm like, (laughs) yes, that was, that was one of the first things that told me, okay, yes, we're, we're on to something. Um, because yeah. And I mean, and it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from. Uh, I spoke with a lot of different sex toy, um, store owners around the world and every last one of them said that, 50% 50% of the people that come in there to buy a product um, are heterosexual men with their wives or their girlfriends. 
um, and they're coming in there to buy strap-ons. And so that was just mind blowing as well. So it just attaching all those dots just made me realize like, whoa, there's really an industry here for this. We're like, whoa, it's not just lesbians who want this. It's, It's all genders, all sexualities. In those heterosexual couples, do you know if it was because the man was going to wear it or the woman? Do we know that? Uh, It was actually, we don't know the exact um, numbers on that, Mm -hmm. but from statistics of seeing um, how many couples engage in pegging, um, I'm going to assume that a lot of them were, um, were the woman in the relationship. Um, So I believe that that's the case, but at the same time, comparing that to statistics of people who have, you know, erectile dysfunction and use strap-ons or uh, people who have, uh, who are born with a penis, but it is a micro penis. Um, those types of numbers are astonishing. So I'm guessing it could be, could be a combination of two, but I'm not sure. As well, wearing it. Yeah. yeah. What is the history of, of strap-ons? Do you know the history? I mean, I know dildos have been since the stone age, we've found, you know, artifacts that about sexual pleasure. Do we know any history here of, you know, um, artificial or prosthetic penises? I cannot remember the initial date off the top of my head, but we've made a post about this um, a couple of months ago where the oldest dildo, it definitely ages back by more than um, 500 years. So we know that for a fact, like one of the first ones that were found as an artifact um, when they finally figured out what it was. Uh, They're like, oh, oh, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) It was literally made out of stone. Um, And yeah, it, it goes back like, probably way more than 500 years, but I'm just going to say that safely, but it's definitely been around for a long time and it has evolved um, Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, But I feel like it's sort of kind of just in a standing holding space right now. And that's why we, we were even luckier to be able to bring a product like this because it takes things with the dildo strap onto another level. New level. And so I'd love to share a quick story here. I'm always very honest in the podcast and, you know, people around the world know more about my sex life. I think (laughs) (laughs) some people should, but, um, I, you know, I, in college, I, I was like, oh, I'm straight. I'm heterosexual. But then I would talk about women and how attractive they were. And one day I was studying with this guy in a study hall and he was like, so you're lesbian or bi? And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm straight. And he was like, I've never heard a woman talk about other women as much as you do. And I was like, huh. And it kind of was like the first ever time I kind of questioned it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do. Like, compliment, like talk about girls and how sexy they are, whatever. And then I had a bunch of drunk escapades in college. And what I learned was the next morning, I was so excited for us to get breakfast or go hang out. And they were like, Whoa, we were so drunk. I can't believe we did that. Like they were. And I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. Crazy. (laughs) So like, you don't want to do it again tonight. Like what? And so then that was some additional data. And it led me all the way to, you know, I had an amazing, amazing woman in my life and we were originally friends. We matched on Bumble and we kind of laughed about it. Like, ha ha, you know, like here we are. And then we both kind of like, but Hey, like, do you want to like, and we were both in this like kind of experimental stage where we were like, we want to check it out. And so we went to a sex toy shop and I said, I'd like to buy a strap on. And they said, okay, here's your selection. And they, okay. And I said, well, where's the piece that pleasures me? Like, okay, these go like around my thighs or this goes around my waist or there's like these boxers that has a hole in the front. And I was like, but where do I get? And they were like, oh, you know, like 
loving a woman is a selfless act. And I was like, that kind of sucks. Like what? Um, absolutely crazy. Yeah. And so that was my first kind of experience where I was like, wait, nobody who's making these then, because if a woman was, they might be like, okay, some for her, some for me, right? Like what, who was doing this? Um, you know, and then throughout my experience, uh, I can absolutely appreciate the, um, energy that, uh, uh, phallic object has on my body. And I'm a woman who doesn't necessarily want to walk around with a, a flaccid, you know, something, but there is something magical of when I'm dating a woman, there's some interesting like masculine energy that I, and I, and identify with it and it feels so good. And it's this really cool part of me that I love that I'm like, I'm, I'm fluid in that sense. Um, and I don't necessarily know all the words or labels, but also like, don't put me in a bucket, like whatever, you know? Um, and, uh, so, you know, that's my experience of, and I've actually talked on previous sex tech episodes about like, we need to innovate for strap on. So when I, I saw your, your reach out from your PR (laughs) agent, I was like, hell yeah, we need this, (laughs) but talk to me a little bit more about the, so the upgrade from what's currently available to yours is, is obvious, right? Yours, like it's tech enabled. It's on, on your own mark of, you know, going hard and soft and, you know, it's uh, you can wear it all day, right? It's not like this giant purple boner, like you're walking around with, right? It would be a flaccid a device. Um, but what are the health implications of being able to have that? Like, mental health implications and then like uh physical i guess for the men males wearing it so talk walk us through that a little bit that this isn't just hey a new really expensive sex toy this is like you're literally improving the health and wellness of people so help walk us through that please absolutely so what we learned um and let me start from the very beginning so um as a person who identifies as a lesbian woman as i mentioned before um, again, the whole thought process was, you know, um, spontaneous sex. That's where it really started at. As I started to do more and more research, I started talking with, um, more in depth with my transgender, um, friends who we probably never talked about, you know, the types of surgeries that they, you know, preferred or some of the options that are out there for something that is, um, bottom down, um, having those conversations and then a little bit more research made me realize, okay, whoa, this is like way beyond just, you know, spontaneous sex. Um, this is, this is like, can be life-changing from a feeling of wholeness, um, from a feeling of, uh, being empowered by being able to actually perform when you're ready and when you want to, um, this is an option that you don't have to go into a sex store and grab a, um, strap on that you have to actually just take on and take off a symbol every single time, which takes a little bit away from the human factor, um, because you have to do something, um, multiple times to get to where you need to get to. Um, and then there's a little bit of awkwardness that comes with that sometimes. Um, so that was one focus. And then the other focus was that, the only other option outside of a strap on, if this is life changing for you, if it's life impact impactful for you is surgery or a medication, um, which when you start, you know, having to, an only option that is medical related, um, in a sense that gets a little sticky for people. Um, there's so many reasons why a lot of people can't have surgery, um, as an option. Uh, there are people with comorbidities. Uh, there are people with, uh, certain types of, uh, 
financial constraints. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like, very expensive to have surgery to, you know, um, fix Maybe they down. work at an hourly wage job. They can't take off two weeks or have and complications they, exactly. later. Yeah. Exactly. So once we really learned like what we were providing an option for, what we were up against, um, we realized, okay, hey, this is even more important because people shouldn't have to make those types of life decisions to be able to have a feeling of wholeness and then a feeling of being able to have sexual pleasure and interaction with their partner whenever they want to. Um, let's, you know, let's, let's increase the, the options and the timing and all those beautiful things. And that's what we realized. Um, you know, so that's why, you know, we, we changed our messaging a little bit. You know, we, I definitely always say that this is, was made for the LGBT community in mind, but then when we realized there were so many other impacting, um, communities, we changed our messaging to let people know, Hey, this could be an option for you as well. Um, even if you have erectile dysfunction, you're going in, you're buying strap-ons. Hey, let's give you something else that actually fits a little bit flush to your body. Um, it could be worn all day and you don't really have to, you know, have those moments where you have to take something off, put something on all those good things. So we just realized full circle, how impactful it would be. And, um, yeah, we just went full speed ahead. I love that you have different sizes, three different sizes, and you have three different colors. And they're all like human colors. They're not purple. There's no butterflies on it, right? Um, can you talk to us about, I, I feel like that's so important, especially as your product addresses body dysmorphia. So can you tell us what is body dysmorphia and has was that an influence in your, the sizing and the colors and et cetera? Yes. Uh, so first we, the best way to explain this is that we knew that the VDOM needed to be as humanistic as possible. Um, We've actually had some pushback from certain communities um, that says, hey, why is it does why does it not come in, you know, millions of colors? And um, I always go back to why we truly started. And that was because we really wanted to be as humanistic as possible, um, because we knew that the greater um, impact would have on people who wanted to wear this all day, every day. They asked Um, for like neon colors or other skin colors. No, it was like neon colors, okay. like right. purples and pinks yeah. and all those good things. The things that people are used to. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, that's that's the other part. So we knew we were innovating something new. It's brand new, first of its kind. Um, we wanted that humanistic part of it as much as possible. So we, you know, that's why we went with the more humanistic skin tones and, um, and sizes as well. Because sex is probably the most variant aspect of all the things we do in our lives. Everybody has sex differently, um, at different times, different ways. There is just so many variables in there. So we were like, what's our baseline. And so as you can imagine, we're at the very beginning of the VDOM right now. Um, we have yet to launch the market. We're a couple of weeks out. Um, but you know, this is just the beginning. So Again, we knew that it needed to just just be something that was super humanistic as possible. And so the the skin tones came from, okay, what are our our baseline skin tones to the audience that we are um, servicing? And that's how we came up with the skin tones. And we don't necessarily call them anything particular other than um, light, medium, or dark. We do want to be able to um, enhance that in the future and give custom colors um, so that it's even more um, you yeah, know, yeah. uh, yeah, it, it's even more, you know, um, humanistic to the person who's actually using it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also we realized one of the other variables is that a lot of people who are on the receiving end of this product 
they don't like the whole theory of bigger is better. You know what I mean? So everybody doesn't want an eight inch. Everybody doesn't want a four inch. Everybody doesn't want a six. They want what is going to be more comfortable for them, which is important when you're talking about buying a product that you're going to use with your partner. So that's why we have the different variations. I will say that, um, after uh, research and just seeing how our pre-order purchasers were buying, we did decide to take away the four-inch option. Um, so right now, we actually are down to just a six and an eight-inch right now. Got but it. we still have the three skin tones. Do you? Does it have testicles? It does have testicles. And okay. I will tell you some <laughs> of the funniest stories. Um, some of the same people who are looking for, you know, purple or pink colors. Yeah they hate the testicles. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like their product already exists in the sex toy shop. Like testicles, exactly. dildos, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I had to explain to people is like, I understand. Um, but we are trying to focus again on that very humanistic yeah. aspect. Yeah. But um, in addition to that, our testicles are very important. Each part of this device is so extremely important for one to the other. Um, it actually houses a lot of the back end of the device mm-hmm. itself. So you wouldn't be able to get a re- an erection balls. without <laughs> the balls. <laughs> the one time that I will say as a lesbian woman who believes that the balls are so important. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's so interesting. Like actually it's a, it's a storage unit. And I mean, I guess they really are storage units anyway. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That's hilarious. That is so awesome. Yeah. I, you know, this whole, like the coloring and stuff, I, uh, I, I was friends with a woman and, and she, I didn't necessarily know what, how she identifies, but I remember we went on a camping trip with a bunch of friends and she had a, a, a packer, which is, mm-hmm. a, you know, like a flaccid penis and she liked to just wear it. And at night she'd take it off and all, you know, people would kind of play with it. It was kind of funny, like not in a, like, you know, it was whatever, but it, I saw it and I thought, why would she want, why would she spend money on that? It's not useful in, but it was useful. And, and she told me, and I did ask her, her friends close enough that I was like, what do you use it for? And she goes, well, like I wear it. And I was like, okay, well, what, what is the use in that? And she was like, I just like the way I feel when I have it, you know, like I've always wanted a penis and she's also has huge breasts and she's like, and I like to be the sexy woman that I am. And this is who I am. And I feel more confident when I walk around with it in my underwear. And so do you see the VDOM being something like a, a lifestyle tool, like so, like a, something people wear all the time? Absolutely. And that's exactly where that, you know, um, human need comes into play. Uh, and that that feeling of wholeness, because it's so funny. It goes back to the arguments that are occurring in the world, you know, now where people are trying to make you choose a side um, or put you in a box. Yeah. And I love the, the um, age group that's coming behind us right now because they are like, Nope, mm -mm, we're changing the game here. Uh And it's because why should I limit my feeling of wholeness as a person? If I am was born a female, according to science, um, why do I have to make a choice of being, you know, just one or two things when I could feel whole and feel the best that I possibly can because I have options and I, and I can choose, I have the choice. Um, to me, that's what true freedom is. And so, yeah, you know, there's so many people out here that just, I mean, to have, you know, 
any option other than, you know, having to choose one or the other of what's in their pants. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's the revolution that we're in and, um, it's so incredibly important. Um, I, I don't like to, I don't want to throw, drop out too many, um, statistics, but one thing, just the feedback from some of our uh, pre-order recipients or people who've just heard about the product, I'm getting emails that are just saying like, you know, oh my gosh, I will feel so much more comfortable as a transgender man to go into a urinal now because there's nothing, you know, I don't feel awkward anymore because I could just pull out and, you know, be able to do such a thing, which I will say our first version of the VNOM does not have STP, but it is absolutely um, on our timeline, very close for release. STP is stand to pee. It's like the yes. urine would go through it. Exactly. Exactly. So that is a technology that we're working on. Um, it is something that is very uh, complex to do, but yeah. just hearing those types of stories, just let us know, like, or, you know, I won't feel so awkward going in and, you know, um, and just, and it's the whole feeling of wholeness, like have, being able to not have to stop what I'm doing with my partner um, because I am uh, transgender or because I have a physical disability and then have mm-hmm. something that I need to assemble. Um, I actually could just go through the motions of just, just how any other human being does and pull it out and do what I do. So uh, it's just like adding that option is so impactful mentally yeah. um, and emotionally. So again, that's just, yeah. It, it's, and it's so many people, you know, just like your friend wants a packer. Yep. I wonder how she would feel if she had a packer that could go from, you know, She's um, so excited. I'll tell you, her right. and her husband, they're going to be very excited. I'm going to send this episode <laughs> to them as soon as it comes out. Because... <laughs> exactly. So it's just like, you know, providing that option of life impacting, you know, yeah. like choices. That's just, come on, you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. You can't beat that. You can't go to school for that either. <laughs> Why do you think no one's made this yet? It seems kind of obvious. I mean, I'm not diminishing how hard it is, but we also have like rovers on Mars. So like, why the hell hasn't somebody made a, a penis that can get erect with a push of a button? No, hasn't anyone done that yet? Yeah. You know, um, I think there's three reasons. Um, and I had to sit with myself and ask this question when I saw that it wasn't created. And it's just like, I am just about to turn 38 years old. And I mean, there's so many people that sex toys are older than I am. So why in the world or, um, you know, uh, sexually enhancing products are older than I am. So why in the world has this not been created? And the conclusion I can come to is um, one is that uh, people didn't recognize how many people it would be impactful for. Um, they were like, well, I'm, I was guessing, I'm guessing that they were probably like, oh, they're strap-ons, just use those. But I don't think that they realize the human factor of impact that it would have. Um, two, it is a very complex. Um, we had to do a lot of, we couldn't just jump at this with the creation and build of it based off of anything that's out on the market. There's no blueprint um, other than the human penis itself. Um, and so to try to replicate something like that, it is very, very complex. Um, I didn't even realize how complex it would be until I got into the thick of it. Um, and then the third part of it is it takes a lot of money. Um, it takes a lot of money. I remember I went to hear a founder speak who had just went, um, public and was just acquired. Well, you know, yeah, no, he didn't go public. He has just acquired by Procter and Gamble. And he was speaking and um, someone asked him, like, what does it take to create a product? 
And first thing he said was a million dollars. And the whole room laughed. And he was like, no, a million dollars. And so I'm like, oh, well, I just took 28,000 out of my savings. Whoa. (laughs) But I had already done it. So it's just like, uh, what's going to happen here? Um, so, but yeah, it takes, it takes a lot of money. We've been, um, very, very blessed to be able to have, um, a lot of my family and friends have held me down on, um, uh, just under 50% of the funding that's gone into this so far. Everything else has been from out of my own pocket and thank goodness. Um, I've been able to be, you know, sustain that. So it, but it takes a lot of money. It's like every other day as any other founder, we're worried, like, oh my gosh, do we have enough money to make it through tomorrow? And so, yeah, it, it's a lot. So I think that those are the three main things. Are your pre-sales over? I see a waiting list you can sign up for, but how did the pre-sales go? Yeah, so pre-sales went very well, um, uh, way too well. <laughs> I'm not going to on that one. We actually had to cut them off um, extremely early for two reasons. One, um, the demand was so high. And so we had initially planned to make only a certain amount initially to get it out on market. And the demand was just way too high. I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, we can't even keep up right now. Um, and then two, because we um, ran into like a lot of the companies, the supply chain, yeah. supply chain crisis. Yeah. Um, we had no idea. You want to talk about like walking into a straight, like punch to the face um, out of nowhere, like that's how the supply chain crisis were. It's like you walk around a corner and somebody just punches you in the face. That's what it was. So because of that, uh, that was the other reason why we decided to cut off pre-orders so that we could really uh, pivot and make sure that we were able to get all the supplies and um, and pieces that we needed. Mm-hmm. Um, how have, uh, like, you know, you said, you know, you've been funded by family and friends and that's usually a first round. Um, but how have investors received this or pitch competitions or conferences? You know, there's been always this like tug of war where people are like tech everything, except if it has to do with female pleasure, then it's inappropriate. So how, what is what has your experience been like with that? So we are just now opening up our true fundraising round. So um, I've done a couple of touches of just talking to investors here and there that are institutional investors um, over the last like maybe six months. And it has been a very interesting road. I've probably <laughs> talked to about a hundred so far just yeah. in the last six months. And what I'm finding is, is that I'm having to do a lot of educating, um, yeah. a lot of educating yeah. because as you know, um, the investment world fits a certain demographic. Um, so, and that usually doesn't include someone who is, um, well, I will say like majority of the time, it doesn't include someone who is a black lesbian <laughs> female. Um, it does not include um, someone who has had an anatomical restriction of their genitals. It doesn't include someone who identifies as transgender or who has a physical disability. So because of that, um, you, you're talking to people and asking them for lots of money who have never experienced the problem that you're solving. Um, so it's taken a lot of education and a lot of, you know, um, this is the reason why if I could just get you into the shoes of the person who needs this, you, it would hit you like a, a ton of bricks and maybe I'm not doing a good job of that, but, uh, <laughs> we're still working on it. We're still working yeah. on it. But now that we're getting ready to go into our full fundraise, um, 
we should, we're adding some new team members. I think that we'll have a dynamic team that'll be able to help get the message across a little bit better. It's a very similar story to most women's health companies where they're literally teaching investors that women don't use one tampon for their whole menstruation cycle, right? Like we're doing some really basic 411, like vagina versus vulva, like all of these things. Um, And, you know, one thing I also find is that even when uh, some people in the room actually do understand the problem, these are such quote unquote taboo topics. They weren't, they're not raising their hand and saying, oh, I have a micro penis. I wish I had this, right? No, they're keeping that to themselves because we have lived in such a stigmatized environment that they, they're not going to raise their hand. If they're a woman, you know, they're not going to raise their hand and say, I have fecal incontinence, you know, poop comes out of me too after my pregnancy. Like we're not, we're not opening up about these things. And so it seems niche, quote unquote niche, because the investors have quote unquote never heard about this issue, but it's a societal because of that, that's how they never heard about it. And it kind of reminds me of you said your first point as to why you don't think this has been created yet. And you said, you know, sex tech innovators have historically been male and hetero. And so they thought about what women want. And they thought we all wanted butterflies that vibrated and big, giant, veiny, 10 inch things like, you know, and now women are in the game and and people of different genders and different sexualities are in the game saying, actually, this is what a lot of bedrooms actually want, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, sincerely, how many strap-ons have you ever seen that were six inches, you know, how long has that a six inch strap on been out there? Not very long. Usually they were huge, big things. This is what women want, blah, 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 blah. Or, and it's just like, whoa, wait a minute. Um, who told you that? Uh, first off, you know, so I think it's it definitely, you know, I don't even speak about the taboos anymore just because it's just so obvious. So I just leave it at we're educating. Um, but the taboos are just hilarious, especially looking at the back end statistics, being able to talk to, um, you know, those sex toy store owners and them telling me that half of their, their clientele comes in to buy a strap on are like heterosexual men um, for so many different reasons. So, uh, well, I say, I say heterosexual men with their partners. um, I say that, Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just astonishing um, that, that that I still have to work so hard to even educate. To me, it would just be like a no brainer, especially when, which is why a lot of times we go into these meetings and we're, you know, focusing on both the lifestyle and the uh, medical side of the product as well because of that reason. So we're trying to drive it home, like why this is, you know, um, so necessary. So it's, it's a task. You know, I'm a fan of pitch. However, the story gets you funded, you know, exactly. Uh, one of my exactly. favorite stories is a uh, flex disc, which is like a menstrual cup, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can throw it away. Um, she got funded her first rounds because she pitched a story of period sex. That is not why she made it. She was making it for sustainability purposes, for all these other reasons. But the only message that got her checks was when she pitched on women want to have sex when they're on their periods and not make a mess. And then men wrote her checks for millions of dollars, you know, and she was like, well, I mean, it is technically a use case of it, but it's not what we're even promoting. Well, I don't care. Get the money, build your business. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what you have to do, because when I'm when I'm changing, um, you know, not even necessarily changing the narrative because I'm going to stay true to what we're doing. But when I am trying to make sure I'm using the right lexicon that gets the message across, 
Um, all I think about the entire time is why I am trying to get this cash in house. Mm-hmm. And it's because we want to kiss. We want to see the VDOM come, you know, and just be so huge and so impactful for the, our users. And, you know, we don't want that to be stalled because I couldn't educate someone well enough. You know what I mean? So it's just, you know, that's what I think about the entire time we push through, we change, um, how we need to, you know, send the message sometimes and let it and just educate folks. Um, and it's so funny. Uh, it just reminds me because we're on this topic. I was at South by Southwest last week and I ran into a lot of investors and I will not lie to you about, I will say like a hundred percent of the time, every, a uh, guy that I mentioned the product to, the first thing they did was look down at their their pants. And I feel like that's, because, again, that goes with the education piece. They're like, well, mine works just fine. I don't need this. And I'm looking like, but what if it didn't work? And then that's when it hits them like, ah, you know, wait a minute. You're right. What if it didn't work? What are your options? You don't even know what your options are because you don't have that, that situation right now. But what if you couldn't? And that's what stops them from looking down like, oh, it still works. And oh, who needs this? You need this when yours doesn't work. What happens then? And they started to get it that way. I'm surprised they don't look down at your pants. <laughs> I, I've had <laughs> some people that's like, so do you have one on now? And I'm like, no, I don't. I didn't wear it around South by Southwest. <laughs> Like my wife's at home. <laughs> my wife is at home. Exactly. She locked it up. No dude. need right now. Take it. <laughs> right. Well, I'm so excited to see either like you or Cindy Gallup on a TED talk, and then halfway through you have an erection because that would be amazing. That would be such a great viral video. Um, well, we have right. two questions that our listeners really love. The first one is we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs looking for a problem to solve. So what's an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Um, I will definitely say uh, true, true sexual pleasure. I think that my um, uh, founder friends and the community um, are doing such a great job of uh, providing pleasure options for the cl- for the clitoris. Um, and I'm totally commend them. Um, and what I always say to them is like, well, what about the G spot? So I, you know, full, complete and utter, um, utter, uh, just comfort, uh, options, um, and fulfilling all of the needs, not just focusing on one thing or another, but fulfilling all the needs, um, is definitely what's needed and really truly understanding what women want. Um, but it took a lot of fabulous women to come into the industry for that to start to happen. Um, so I'm happy to see the growth too, because it just lets me know femtech future is just about to go nuts. It is. And what do you think the industry as a whole, the femtech industry needs right now the most in order to be successful? Funding. I mean, the statistics are still crazy, even with a lot of movements that have been like fun female founders. The numbers have not gone up a lot um, in the last two years. And that movement's been on in the last two we years. We have accelerators. We got angel networks. We have investment thesis. Like, we have all these freaking things. And, like, the, the numbers are, like, meep. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that, and especially considering statistics, I mean, it's a known fact that female founders are They're awesome. Women. They're but awesome. Not yeah. only are we awesome, but our businesses are very successful. Yes. Um, the statistics show it. So it's like there should there just needs to be more funding and um really realizing what the industry is is for and how valuable it is. And you know, um, a magazine or a news article shouldn't have to tell you that. 
if you're, you know, an investor and you're looking to, you know, make money, you should know these things, right? You know, so yeah, yeah, I think, I think education for sure, but definitely money. <laughs> There's a lot of things I think investors should know and they don't. So <laughs> I'm always telling founders, hey, you're probably actually the smartest person in the room. So just <laughs> don't be nervous. Um, <laughs> Glennis, this has been so awesome. You're amazing. This is, is so important. It's innovative. It's, you know, some people may say, Britt, this is a women's health podcast. This is absolutely women's health. I can speak oh, for from sure. personal experience, um, having, you know, early childhood sexual abuse and then having regaining my power by losing my virginity a second time, but this time with a woman where I was the penetrator. I cannot tell you the the leaps and bounds in um, mental fortitude and just like my spirit, I felt like I got power back and I, and I will be forever grateful to that woman who I dated and also that experience. And it was just, it was really, really beautiful because I asked questions and it was just so intimate. And I, I really feel like it was a huge turning point for me where my body was no longer just something for men to use, but instead it was for me to enjoy as well. And, um, you know, currently I'm in a heterosexual relationship and this is going great and wonderful, but like that experience was so powerful for me. And so, um, I can't even fathom somebody who on the daily basis wishes to have that kind of healing and that power, being able to have a product like yours where they don't have to, uh, pull out their big box of things and change and put it on and all that stuff. Right. You can just kind of live, you're just living. Uh, and I exactly. love exactly. Exactly. And I have to, live. I have to echo that, you know, um, as I mentioned, my, me and my wife have been together for, um, 13 years. And so as you can imagine, day-to-day life has, you know, sort of pushed the sex life to the side because we had so many options in our house. Um, so many options and, you know, and what we utilize to pleasure one another. And so being able to have something like the VDOM and have that spontaneous anytime, anywhere, I mean, it shot our, you know, sex life way up to the point where we got back to the room. You know what I mean? So we got back to just a whole other level of intimacy. Um, so exactly, exactly. Well, That's all it's about is options, choices, and, um, you know, yeah, pleasure. Everyone, go get yourself some because this is the world we're living in now. We all deserve good things. The world is a hard place. Let's all feel it. Have some good orgasms. All right. Don't go to bed ourselves. Exactly. Like, seriously, sex is on a hierarchy of needs. We clearly need it. Uh, Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Brittany. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to my interview with Galenice Kennard-Moore, the founder and CEO of Skimu Tech. Be sure to get on the waiting list for the VDOM at thevdom.com. Alrighty, Fem fans, be sure to give the show a five-star review and share it with a friend. Join our virtual community at femtechfocus.org and join the thousands of other femtech founders, investors, and mentors advancing women's health. While in the virtual community, sign up to be a Fem Pro member for only $15 a month and get access to our assets, such as the Femtech Company Database and our self-guided Femtech Accelerator. Keep an eye out for our monthly Femtech Book Club, which happens the last Wednesday of every month, and subscribe to our newsletter. 
better. Last but not least, please consider setting up a recurring monthly donation to Femtech Focus. We are a 501c3 nonprofit and rely on your donations to operate. Okay, Fem fans, until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. 